Hi, this is Jerry Conway, and you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. I'll be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon. They'll bend your ears with reckless self abandon The Amazing Spider Talk The Amazing Spider Talk Come swing through the air Sit back and prepare For the Amazing Spider Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavaz, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm the other guy, Mark Giannacchio, founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and an editor at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Although you haven't, couldn't really tell since I haven't really written for the site for like the last two months, right, Dan? It has been a while, Mark. Uh... I, yeah, I'm sorry. I, 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 that'll, that'll change soon. I promise. I promise. I'm becoming the regular reviewer of the main title now. Okay, we're going to fix that soon, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, thank you for joining us for the 12th episode of our coverage of Volume 4 of Amazing Spider-Man. Remember when 12 episodes used to be a year, Mark? Oh, right? So what, what is this, like the, the 1993 version of this episode, of, of this show? Or, <laughs> I, I guess maybe more With this publishing schedule, who knows? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you guys enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yeah, and for this episode, we'll be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 4, Number 12, because why would we be talking about that Dicko Lee issue with Doc Ock and Betty Brant's brother, that issue <laughs> number 12, right? <laughs> Um, and that one's by Dan Slott and Giuseppe Camacoli, the volume four, not the volume one. Uh, and then we'll give away some prizes, respond to your comments and emails, and then we'll be auditioning a new cast member for our yet unnamed Flash Thompson's Flash Reviews. Oh, Dan, I know who the guest is going to be, and I am just abuzz with anticipation. I can't believe you're housing this person in your apartment. It's, it's, it's... It's it's Harry. Let me tell you that. Not Harry. <laughs> not Harry. It's Harry. Like scary. <laughs> gotcha. 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 Well, uh, Mark, we're a little late on this review due to a bizarre shipping schedule. I think neither of us knew about that. We began right. two books week after week, and uh, and uh, the release of Civil War locked us into doing that Essentials episode. So let's not delay our discussion of Amazing Spider-Man number twelve. Well, Mark, first off, I want to say the cover is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing on this cover comes to pass in this comic. Well, you, you, you act like this has never happened before in the history of comic books. <laughs> well, what, what's shocking about this one to me is, it, well, let's just say what's on the cover. It's got Spider-Man and then it's got like Tony romancing Mary Jane in some which manner. Which doesn't happen. Which doesn't happen. I mean, Spider-Man is in it, so we'll give them that credit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then it's got the uh, the all-new, all-different Avengers, which, okay, one of the members of that comic appears in this issue, or is featured in this issue, and the rest of them appear for a panel in this issue. But the big thing is it's got this bubble that says, you know, advertising the first team-up between Spider-Man and the all-new, all-different Avengers. And I imagine, like, wouldn't it just be as easy to just delete that layer in Photoshop, remove that, like, logo? Here at Marvel, we don't admit to, to mistakes. It happened. You just didn't see it, Dan, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it was happening somewhere in the Marvel Universe. We just it, weren't it, privy to it. In the very next Ask Alonzo, Ask Axel column, did it actually happen? 
maybe it's up for you to decide. Yeah, right, right. And then no one will follow up with a question like, hey, that's not really a good answer. That's not an answer at all. Because <laughs> we're just corporate shills of your company. There you go. So um, so beyond the, the false advertising cover, let me also just throw out there that this is clearly the obligatory Spider-Man is in a movie, so we got to tie it into the movie somehow because there is an actual team up with Tony Stark, Iron Man. Uh, and of course, you know, the new civil war movie, uh, Spider-Man is spoiler alert team, team Iron Man. So, um, we got to make a comic about it and Lord knows Dan Slott's got really storied history of these tie-ins, right? I mean, remember that lizard arc from, uh, ASM one that, uh, from a couple years back. Oh, remember that electro arc from, yeah, these are some of our two. These are some of our favorite stories of all time. So, um, so do this is this one one of our favorite stories of all time, Dan? I I think it's better than those two. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, you know, th- there's still more parts to come. So, um, I mean, but are you are you saying you liked lizard eat the lizard eating people in the sewer more than this? No, I didn't. You're right. Fair enough. <laughs> I know that we uh, both didn't like the electro arc. No, no. Although it started out with a little bit of promise. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that's what I'm saying. We can't judge by the first chapter. There's there's a, there's a lot of leeway for things to go down in a hurry. I mean, you know, the way the way things are going lately, we could have a great issue followed by one of the worst of the year. So, um let's be surprised, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so, um yeah, we have a team up. We have the reintroduction of Mary Jane to the continuity. Um, we haven't seen her since Renew Your Vows, and we haven't seen her in this world since the end of Superior. Or the beginning. Uh, well, I guess we saw well, her in ASM Volume 3, Number 1. Yeah, very briefly, where yeah. she like kind of like turns off the TV on a scantily clad Peter. Um, <laughs> and... Um, you know, let's, I guess, first talk about the, the, the team up first, um, probably because there's less to say about it. I mean, it's a very it's such a paint by numbers team up between the two heroes here that they even joke about it being paint by numbers. So, I mean, I don't know. Did you did you find anything new and exciting about seeing Spider-Man and Iron Man fighting side by side here? Uh, not when they're actually fighting side by side, although there is a wonderful page of the two of them getting into their costumes that I thought really was just – it's like the best of what comics can do is to show you know these two characters side by side with their, their words kind of mirroring each other. I thought it was a really well put together page. Um, and there's a couple pages in this issue that I think like as a page – really would be great to kind of cut out and, and, and put on a wall as a standalone thing. Yeah. And, and and there is some fun to be had in this issue. And when you say paint by numbers team up, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I, I I mean, there is certainly a formula to the Spider-Man team ups, um, that, you know, it kind of starts off, they have their disagreement and then, then they kind of have some witty banter and then they finally team up for the good of it and, and against the common enemy. And, you know, it's a formula that works. So why stray from it? I guess. Um, and of course this does have the new element of both being billionaire industrialists now. And I, and I did kind of like Tony's condescending nature towards Peter yeah. in this issue. Um, you know, it's kind of a nice wrinkle and it, and it casts more doubt into, I guess, the legitimacy of Parker Industries, which was certainly a, a plot line that was, you know, seeds were sown pretty well during the um, Scorpio Zodiac arc. Yeah, and, and there's, I think there's a general tongue-in-cheek quality to this issue in regards to that status quo that you mentioned of Peter as a, a sudden billionaire that I find it refreshing. Like, even, even when it calls Peter on his inability to run things properly, it's kind of having fun with it rather than suggesting, like, a doom and gloom for the character, which you and I have suggested in the past, like, we don't really buy into because we don't really know how he got to this position. So to kind of poke fun of it, like... I think removes a lot of those doubts about like how we got arrived at this place. No, absolutely. So we have a, we have the return of a villain uh, that I don't know anyone was really asking for in the ghost <laughs> or was expecting we return this quickly. Yeah. I mean, you know, talk about 
you know, we're, 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 we're still waiting on Doc Ock to fully materialize, but we've had two now two ghost stories in between. <laughs> um, <laughs> and ghost, I mean, you know, did start out as an Iron Man villain. I believe he's a David Michelinie creation from, you know, Michelinie's very renowned run on Iron Man in the eighties. Um, watching two heroes kind of fight over ownership of him kind of enters the twilight zone though for me a bit i don't know what do you think yeah i mean there's a number of things in this in this issue which like are almost like they're not even winks at the audience it's like the straight out the author like writing to the audience about comics in in general like we have an earlier part of this comic where tony comments on the complications of like one more day in, in a way that's can't be read as anything except the author putting his opinion in. And yeah. This kind of reads the same way to me where it's like, ha, huh, this is a clever wink on, on the ownership of, of villains and how they only stick to one character, blah, blah, blah. But to me, it just seemed like an odd character beat for these two to be, you know, in the middle of a fight, fighting over whose villain it is. And, and, and I understand why Dan Slott felt it was appropriate because this story is kind of about Peter's emasculation by Tony in, in front of MJ. Um, right. And, and we could talk about why I, I have problems with that. Uh, yes. I think, I think that any problems I have with this issue stem from my problems with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, since, since the Spider-Man Iron Man stuff is so kind of, formulaic let, let, let's talk about the supporting cast here because i think there's a little bit more both positive and negative to be mined from there i mean let's start obviously with mj who you know it's kind of like she's still this 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 white whale attraction for for the the audience like oh mj isn't an issue What's it going to be ever since, you know, one more day? <laughs> so it's this, what's going to happen? And it's never anything. But I, I, I was, I wasn't so much confused by her characterization in this issue, which was, I, I, I don't know, it's kind of the way Slot has been writing her for a while now. Um, but Peter's dynamic and reactions to her, which were a little confusing to me uh, is that i don't know if confusing is the right word but do you know what i'm talking about dan yeah absolutely i mean first off there's the confusion for those of us who've been reading invincible iron man where mj accepted the job and then left the job you know very quickly in the span of like you know a day or whatever and suddenly here she is again like they don't really match up continuity wise um mm. it's almost like dan slot heard that she was going to be an Iron Man, his Iron Man secretary, and hadn't read those issues yet when he wrote this, um, because it just doesn't. Are you reading that title, Mark? I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I kind of figured I'd wait until Marvel Unlimited to get caught up on that. Yeah, it doesn't quite line up. I've kind of leafed through it in the the store just because I'm curious what MJ is doing, um, and I'm going to read it like you and Marvel Unlimited. Uh, just because one can't buy every Marvel comic. It's also possible this storyline was written a while ago and then it was kind of tabled for um, to coincide with Civil War opening. That's true. That's true. That's an interesting idea. I mean, it was, there was kind of a weird jumble around the Zodiac plot. Line. Yeah. But, yeah. Like we really, we really didn't get a sense that that was all resolved. Yeah. But well, anyway. But that point aside, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't understand why Peter is so nervous around MJ. I mean, let's walk through the timeline with her, you know, uh, of what we know. You know, they – and this timeline is very muddled. Mark, can you guide me through the post-one-more-day timeline with Mary Jane? Are, are we talking about what – like times they've met in the comics or are, we, are you asking me to kind of go through – what actually is supposed to have happened in the post one more day universe? I, I yeah, I mean, that. like uh, you know, they didn't get married, so they just stayed yeah. together as like. So they 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 cohabitated for like a number of years, like like it was years. It wasn't just like weeks or months. Um, and I was actually trying to remember if that cohabitation included time in 
Avengers Tower. It, yeah, it, it did. They they say okay. it explicitly here in in this issue that they live. Well, they say Avengers it in this Tower. issue, but I'm trying to I'm trying to think back to um, one moment in time where they kind of fill in all the gaps of what actually happened. Um, I'm pretty sure they cohabitated in Avengers Tower. Um, okay. Because Civil War still happened. It's just people don't remember him taking his mask off. Right. Uh, it's a whole thing. But in Dan Slott's timeline, uh, they had become friends, and Peter had even gone to her for dating advice regarding Carly Cooper. Yeah, and like the, it wasn't like this. We had gone well past the, the oh, my God, it's MJ, I'm so nervous thing. I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, in, in, in real time, I mean, she, she showed up. During brand new day in that um, Peter Parker paparazzi arc, but then didn't really reveal herself to Peter again for the first time until ASM 600. And then, you know, they kind of in red redheaded stranger hashed some things out. But for the better part, since big time, they had kind of like been. I It really felt like friends again. And, and even there were some seeds being planted that it could get to be closer than friends again. And then superior kind of threw everything off. But, and, and this was something that I, I, I was thinking as I was reading this, when, when I was kind of confused by Peter being so nervous around her, I was like, you know, this would have been a perfect time to kind of remind readers of, Oh crap. You know, I really haven't seen MJ since the whole doc Ock debacle. Yeah. When he, when he effed up my life and effed up my, my friendship with her. And, and, you know, re- reminding people of these consequences, especially since we're, we're planting the seeds of Doc Ock returning with Dead No More. But again, it's like no one, no one in, involved with these spider books wants to admit that Doc Ock did really bad things in Peter's body that messed up his life. It's like we just want to get over that. And, I, I, and, you know, here's another case of it, right? Yeah, I agree. I felt really bizarre about that. And then the other thing is, like, Peter acts like he really cares about MJ. And he asks her, like, oh, what are you doing now? Like, I thought you were running the bar. And she's like, oh, yeah, it burned down. And it's a reminder, like, if this guy cares about this woman so much, where has he been the past at least eight months right. checking in on her? You know? Well, like, she, I mean, she, I mean, she did end things in Superior, like, get out of my life. I can't deal with it anymore. Yeah, so, true. I mean, he... He conceivably could have been keeping his distance, but the bar burned down during Superior, and I guess yeah, he was kind of pushed down in the mindscape or whatever when that happened. But I don't know. You think I he feel- wanted to make amends, you know, like or go to her and be like, "Look, I did some screwed up stuff, but that wasn't me." You, you know what I mean? Like if it was a friendship yeah. that was valued by him that heavily, or you think he was just as a, as a human being would want to kind of go through the wreckage of, okay, so what's happened with all of the people I was connected to during this period? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I don't know if I, if I was, if I had gone missing for six months, you know, and, and returned, the first thing I would want to do is like catch up with my, my family, catch up with my closest friends. Dan, I'd find out what happened with you. Oh, that's sweet of you. Were you still around? Were you doing the podcast with someone else now? I mean, you know, like... (laughs) I'd still be unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) How are your cats? I mean, you know... (laughs) (laughs) They're fine. Um, So, whatever. It it was just, I thought, a very strange choice to kind of have this, like, like you said, not only nervous and panicky, but also, like, just totally oblivious, Um, you know. I don't know. Like it just it was very strange, very strange to me. So, so to that point, like it really makes the rest of this issue seem so awkward because it's all about Peter feeling like Tony Stark is encroaching on territory that he considers his own, whether it be business wise, MJ related super villains that he feels like are his super villains. And it's all of, and even his jokes at the end of the issue, you know, um, like Tony stealing his punchlines. And and this is all like I think a fun characterization of like because I think we've all been there after you you know break up with an ex and you see them with someone else and you kind right. of feel like this even though you have no real ownership uh, over that person you feel this kind of like oh this other person's moving in on what used to be 
a space that I considered close to me. And I think we can all sympathize with that, except it's an emotion that is completely unearned by this ongoing tale, especially considering that last issue we had like a romantic interest from Mockingbird. It's like, make up your mind. Which, which way are we going with this thing? Right, which kind of furthers my theory that maybe this issue was kind of in the bag for a while. But, um, yeah, I, it just didn't make sense. And, and, you know, putting aside the fact that over the last few months with this new status quo, everyone essentially compares Peter to Tony now. Like, you know, putting aside the meta commentary that maybe Slot is trying to achieve here, there's nothing in their relationship here that suggests this kind of petty fighting. You know what I mean? Like, if this was a human torch story, I'd be like, oh, there they go again. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Or, or, or even like, I don't know. Um, I'm just trying to think of other characters that, like, heck, even if Miles, if it was something with Miles, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, the the new kid Spider-Man moving in on my turf, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, we, we both popular. bought it in issue three of this, you know, series where he fought the Human Torch. Like, I mean, to an extent, it was a little bit flimsy, but like, once they started fighting, you're like, okay, yeah, that's the that's the nature of their relationship. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, with that said, other supporting cast members that had a prominent role in this issue, we have another couple of nice beats I felt from Harry, Oz, uh, Lyman Nee Osborne. Yeah, Harry, <laughs> Harry, don't call me Osborne, Lyman. Yeah. Um, and we did get a nice joke about cornrows from, you know, it's not cornrows, it's Tootsie Roll hair. Come on, come on. <laughs> That's got to be a part of the vernacular in this comic. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's, I mean, you know, unless there's a sponsorship, sponsorship, that sponsorship issue with Tootsie Roll. Um, but I, I, I really like what Slot is building with Harry here. And Harry is, I, you know, I feel for the first time in years, a very interesting character again. Like, I'm curious to see where things are headed with this character. Do you think, do you think there will be a payoff with this? Yeah, I hope so. Um, I mean, I think we're getting, I mean, it's a very similar beat. Than we that we got last time we saw him, but I like that he's trying to like you know bridge this relationship with Liz, and she for some reason or other just does not want to bridge it. And I mean, who could really blame her considering the the history of their relationship? But uh, right. I think she has some ulterior motives going on now, which we can talk about in a minute. Um, but one of the things that I thought was interesting about Harry, and and you can tell me if you picked up on this because. Um, it definitely stood out to me is that he seemed really concerned with where Peter had disappeared to in a way that it felt like Dan Slott was making a point out of the fact that Harry was noticing that Peter was gone. And it makes mm-hmm. me wonder if perhaps Harry is on the verge of discovering that Peter is Spider-Man. Did you get that sense? Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, didn't they even make a crack at the beginning about like, Something about like oh doing what we always do when there's danger kind of a thing like like there was like an, I thought there was like an allusion to like the the old Silver Age stories where you know they'd be at the coffee bean as a for, as a quartet and then you know stuff would go down and Peter would disappear all of a sudden and and you know because because it's established in 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 this realm now that Peter's identity can be discovered again thanks to you know him the, the Spider Island stuff. Um, it would make sense for Harry, you know, the wiser, more sage Harry, who at one point knew that Peter was Spider-Man, to to put that together, wouldn't you think? Yeah, that's that's what I'm curious about. I, I hope so. I mean, I feel like, you know, uh, you can Goblin Nation all you want, but like, I feel like the Goblin has certainly been neutered in terms of his role in Peter Parker's life because he doesn't know his identity, and I don't know necessarily what appeal that villain has without the knowledge of Peter's identity. And, and, and so I'd like, I mean, for, for Anne Osborne, sorry, a lineman to, to discover uh, Peter's identity, I think could bring some real interesting uh, wrinkles back into that storyline. Yeah. I mean, my only potential issue with that is, I mean, I, I kind of like, Harry, not not just as the friend, but I, I I like this version of Harry, and and 
And if him discovering that or just for some other reason, if this is all just a setup to turn Harry evil again, I don't know if I'm interested in that. I, I'm, I'm more interested in watching Harry rehabilitate and, and maybe struggle with it. But, you know, I don't want to see Harry Goblin again, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, me neither. I mean, I, I think that story is so perfectly told. I don't I wouldn't want it to be told again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. That's that that's probably even the better point to be made is why that that story has been told it was told about as well as you could possibly imagine so why go back um but yeah you mentioned liz allen earlier and you know this is a character that we both have struggled with for quite some time now i again continue i i just don't know what the motivation is here she seems kind of evil and conflicted um i don't know if this is just business i mean they clearly hired the ghost to try and do something to Peter, hurt him, kill him. I don't know. Um, My thought is that it's a continuation of like uh, in volume three, they were trying to get that bid on the prisons uh, system that they ended up, I think, losing or no, they didn't lose it. Parker lost it and they got it. But then through secret wars, some kind of, you know, universe rewriting, whatever landed the regent uh, that that super prison and so it seems to me that the ghost was trying to harm uh, Regent more than he was trying to harm Peter Parker. Um, and perhaps getting all three of them at the same time would be a plus. But um, that to me seemed to be their motive. But even then it's kind of sketchy just because we're not really sh- I'm not really sure what happened with Secret Wars and, and how the Regent suddenly appeared in this world as, as a big a force as he is. Um, that whole thing is just really nebulous to me. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Regent and he's back like it or not. Woo! Um, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, to be positive, I didn't, I, I, I kind of was at least a little intrigued by what they're doing with the character here. He's, he seems to be different at least in terms of power and, and, you know, thirst for world domination like he was in secret wars um this idea i mean you know of course we get a backstory and it's another character and and you know we're, we're not only seeing this in comics but we see this in like other marvel properties like movies and tv where you know oh the 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 super powered people ruined my life so now i'm gonna go after the super powered people i mean you know can we retire this trope a little bit? I don't know. <laughs> or, 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 or put it on ice. But, I mean, the, the character does seem to be a little more nuanced here than he was in Secret Wars. So maybe there's some potential there. And I did like the, the callback with MJ saying, do I know you? Yeah, that was nice. And it makes you wonder, like, you know, oh, you know, maybe there is some lingering memory from, from that event. One of the things I liked about um, Regent in Renew Your Vows was that at the end of the day, he was trying to get all these powers in order to take on God Doom. And so, like, you know, it's kind of one of those uh, the ends justify the means thing. And here it seems very much the same. Like, he he's trying to put together some kind of registration. Like he wants to rein in the, the, the powers and the potential damage of superheroes, but by making, making himself uh, the regent or whatever, or uh, that name doesn't really make much sense in this new context. But uh, um, I like that his motives still seem to, you know, like, like a good villain. They think that they're right in, in some way. And you can, from a certain angle, understand where they're coming from right um just to quickly touch upon a point you made about does mj remember um you know it just kind of dawned on me like maybe mj has a superpower which is like she is the one that is like unable to forget like things that she should be forgetting (laughs) (laughs) oh you mean like mephisto I, I, you know, it's like, you know, she, she, she had to take that information with her from Brent from one more day, despite the fact that she, you know, was going to be psychic blocked. And now like, you know, she, she will find out she remembers everything from renew your vows. 
It's like that is that is your curse, MJ. You can never forget. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. It, it makes for some reason I'm I'm having thoughts about jackpot right now, just because <laughs> everybody yeah. thought that that was MJ, and I gotta think it was intended to be MJ before someone said we can't do this. But have we ever gotten an answer on that? Like what the deal with jackpot was? Oh God, no. I don't think so. That's something to to remember for a future interview that we do. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and and lastly, in talking about this issue, well, we'll talk about the art too, but um, in terms of story stuff, the jokes, Dan, has there been a more groan-inducing issue than this one for the jokes? I, I'm not sure that there has been. The, the Ghostbusters joke, like... The, the chocolate in my peanut butter, the duck season, rabbit season. I didn't I even mean, get that one because it was so out of nowhere. I was like, what is it? What is this reference? I thought, you, you I think I wrote my one. review. It was Duck Dynasty. <laughs> you didn't get it because you're not like a, a 40 or 50 plus something man child who watched, you know, Merry Melodies as a kid. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, I did. I did. Instant, uh, okay. Well, I'm just like, yeah, I, at least these. I, there was one joke specifically I thought landed pretty well in this issue, and that was Peter calling up Pepper Potts, which of course was motivated again from this like petty emasculation angle that we were not a fan of. But him calling her up and offering her a job, and before he can even get the words out, she just hangs up on him. And I, I liked that beat a lot. I, I legitimately chuckled at that. Yeah, me too. Um, That's one of the pages. I think if you just extracted that on its own, it would be a it would be a wonderful page to just kind of have, you know, uh, existing in the world. Right, but again, these 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 jokes, man. Like, you know, I don't I I don't want to be picking on Dan Slot, but it's just like you know, between this and the 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 lyrics usually associated with. Pop, female pop singers it's like i don't know man can we can we can we think of a new way to be funny <laughs> i'm just <laughs> i'm running i'm running out because it's like these are not i'm not laughing I, i'm like i'm literally groaning like ugh. Well, and, and like and, the jokes are kind of like a commentary track you'd find on a DVD where it's like, oh, hey, if you notice here, you'll see that the Ghostbusters uh, like used to fight on these steps as well. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's 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 true. It's not particularly yeah. clever, but it's true. Yeah. It's true. And just the fact that like we even like have commentary on the jokes like. With the chocolate peanut butter one, I I don't get that reference, or I'm too old, I'm too young to get that reference. It's like, like if you have to explain the reference, if you have to explain it's a reference to something, then don't make the joke in the first place. You know, how, how I'm I'm going to be reiterating this statement on next week's podcast, but how does someone like Spider Man not know the peanut butter and 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 chocolate reference? Okay, well I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to save that for next week. All right, all right. So, what did you what did you think of the art in this issue, Mark? You know, I'm, we were talking about this last time. I think so. This is more of a general comment. I mean, like, I really, I, I, as a whole, I like Giuseppe Camoncoli as an artist. I feel like he's grown a tremendous amount uh, in his time on Spider Man. But like, since this book has relaunched, I feel like he's kind of like plateaued, and and it's getting to the point now where I'm almost kind of bored with the art for lack of a better word. I know that's not a very constructive criticism, um, but it's, it's, you know, and, and maybe also, I mean, it's great that they've been able to kind of outside of those cloak and dagger issues, really keep the art, the creative team consistent on this run. So, you know, whereas it felt like for a while there, the artists were changing every three or four issues um, but like, I, I, I'm looking for something fresh visually and I'm not getting it anymore from Kamakoli and it's upsetting cause I like him, but like, unless he's start going to, unless he starts pushing his art in new ways again, this, this, this feels very flat to me for, you know, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And I, I think I expressed the same sentiment last issue. Um, for me, I know that the colorist Marty Gracia's work is is really solid and and good, and it I, it's never really sat with me 
quite right. Um, I can recognize the craft in it. Um, and it's definitely an intention to have like the characters of the reds popping and stuff. But reading this book, it's just – at least the print version seems so dark to me with all the gradients and the dark shading. And it made me realize almost this entire series since the relaunch has occurred at nighttime. And mm. I, I am dying for a daytime book here just to just to change the color palette. Like I can't think of any issues that were during the day. Maybe the Africa issue, but like yeah. that might be it. I think that's the only one that took place during the day. And That's a um, great point. Yeah, I'm just dying for something different to look at here. Uh yeah. yeah. Interesting. No, that's a great point. Um what's your grade, Dan? I'm giving this one a C. It's about as average as it comes. And I'm I am right lock and step with you. C from me too. So, of course, you can email us here at Amazing Spider Talk at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. And uh, you can tweet at us on Twitter and hashtag it OK to print or leave us a voicemail at Nine Red Goblin. Uh, we will then read and try and respond to you on the air. And, of course, the other thing you could do is go to iTunes, Stitcher or Google Play. Uh, look us up. Download us, subscribe, and then after you do all that other great work, you leave us a review and a rating, and you help our community grow. So, uh, what's our, what's our first comment here, Dan? Yeah, we got a review from Trippin Three Eb. I'm thinking that they're Third Eye Blind fans. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone a Third Eye Blind fan? You're talking to one right now. Oh my goodness! Are you were, are you like? cryogenically frozen in like 1999 dan i mean yep i don't think i've ever aged past 13 at least at least mentally i mean are you, are you like into blink 182 as well no no they never they they, they never had the sultry guitar tones of of third eye blind Oh my goodness! Just just read the read read three eb's comments, Dan, and all, and all their happy sad songs. But uh, yes, this is tripping three eb. Uh, whoever this person is writes, thwip thwip. These guys are the sh- watch your mouth. Five out of five. Ooh, I really saucy. Do- <laughs> <laughs> I really do love the fact that these guys love Spidey as much as I do. They do great in depth reviews of all Spidey related pop culture, comics, books. TV shows, whatever. The Essentials episodes are great because they talk about, you guessed it, the Essential Spider-Man tales. Check them out and subscribe. And uh, thanks, Trippin3EB. If you're not subscribed to us, listen to Trippin3EB, despite the fact that he's Trippin, and uh, and subscribe to us. Despite the fact that he's Trippin in a Third Eye Blind fan? (laughs) No, no, no. You can trust all Third Eye Blind fans. Okay. You know, what Trippin wrote here, though, has me thinking, Dan, you know, when, when we are we are getting to the latter stages of the Essential series and, you know, people seem to love these look backs at classic episodes. So once we're done, we're going to we're going to have to think of a new series to give us an excuse to talk about classic comics. So I'm just I'm just planting that seed now. Don't get too far ahead of yourself, Mark. We still have 12 to go. We've only done 18. We have 12 to go? Oh, wow. I, I missed that one. <laughs> um, so um, we, we got a comment uh, from Twitter uh, from our good friend, Dennis Mercier. Uh, and he, he, on the off chance that no one asks, and I don't think anyone has, uh, what villain would we like to see in Spider-Man Homecoming? Uh, I have a couple ideas. Dan, do you want to go first or you want me to spill my beans first? Or Well, I think it's tough to answer this because we kind of already know the villain who's going to be in Spider-Man Homecoming if leaks are to be believed. Uh, Michael Keaton was in talks to play the Vulture in the film. So it seems like the Vulture might be the direction that we're headed. Um, how do you feel about that, Mark? Well, I was going to say, I mean... For me, based on the perceived tone of this movie, I, I, I and and also based on what we've seen in recent movies, I, I, I think you kind of have to go with a classic and simple rogue. Um, 
Like I don't I don't want to get into the Goblin Osborne stuff again. I think we've had our fill of that over the last two franchises. Um, so I was thinking, you know, regardless of the leaks, like either um, Vulture or like Mysterio. Um, I mean, Electro would have been good if they didn't kind of ruin him <laughs> uh, in, in, in the in the Mark Webb verse. Um, ditto with Rhino. I think Rhino could have been in it. You know, like you know, like like someone that can pose a, a, a threat for a young Spider-Man, but you know, could be believably dispatched and and you know, in a way where you know, in the future franchise, his, his presence won't be missed. You know, it's kind of like, you don't want to blow the Osborne load too quickly because that's, he's supposed to kind of be this long-term nemesis ditto with even like a doc Ock. Um, but I would say, yeah, like any of those kind of Dicko Lee villains from like the first dozen issues, I wouldn't go Craven yet. I think like, cause if you do Craven, you have to do Craven's last hunt. And I don't think you could do a, an opening movie with a teenager with Craven's last hunt. No, I don't want that at all. I know there's some people out there that really want that. And I think it would be really inappropriate. That would be, that would be kind of like a good final Spider-Man movie. I was just say, you know, if, if I know Raimi wanted to do Vulture, uh, for Spider-Man four before he got, you know, before that was derailed. But you know, if like Raimi wanted to end his his stint with the movies with a Craven's Last Hunt adaptation, I think that would have been appropriate with like that cast. I would have lo- I would have loved to have seen that. Um, we got to see Tobey Maguire really cry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just want to see Sam Raimi's take on like a horror version of uh, of Craven's Last Hunt. That would be great. And, yeah, Raimi do Vermin. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. But. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely thinking of the Vulture or, or Mis- I, I mean, I, I don't get why we haven't seen Mysterio yet. Mysterio would be so much fun to do on a, on the big screen, don't you think? He would be perfect. I mean, he's a Hollywood villain. Like, why not make him the villain of a Hollywood movie? It's perfect. I mean, if they're concerned about the look, you can change the look of the character. Although, I mean, I kind of wish that I, I kind of hope that he would have the fishbowl head and everything because that's just classic. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing the ultimate version of Mysterio. I think that's a cool design, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, but yeah. I'm kind of a purist in terms of, uh, of how I want this movie to play out, and I know that it's probably not going to happen, but I'm still waiting on my ultimate Spider-Man version of the character where all the villains stem from one central accident and... Norman's quest for power. And I think, you know, with having Spider-Man so tied into Tony and the, you know, Captain America being the center of the universe here, there could be a real opportunity to have Norman Osborn be a guy trying to create a super soldier serum and having that spin out of control. And I honestly wouldn't mind seeing like a new interpretation on the, of the goblin, maybe not like a Hulk version of the goblin, maybe a, slightly smaller version of that but i i, I wouldn't be opposed I, to seeing that character again if he kind of was given that treatment i think i think the ramifications of what that character would do are be too big at this point when when the the mcu is clearly building to thanos in a few years you know what i mean like because i mean osborne Osborne could be a, a main Avengers villain. I mean, they could do a Dark Avengers arc if they wanted to, you know, once, you know, for phase four or five or whatever you want to call it, you yeah. know, but, but, um, you know, and, and it could start with Spider-Man. But I mean, that's the thing. I, I, I kind of feel like, and, and I love the Osbournes, but there's kind of a stink attached to that character based on the last two sony movies you know like they 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 were trying to do that and they did a very poor job of it um for many reasons so you know let's just i don't know i want to i want to i mean especially after seeing and we'll get to this next week i mean after seeing spider-man tom holland spider-man on screen and 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 the quipping and the and the the youthful energy and humor of it I I, I want to see him against like a vulture or a Mysterio or an Electro type, yeah. you know, someone that can be, you know, hey, you know, Marvel seems to like making their villains easy to dispatch. Um, 
and maybe there's a, they would all fit the bill, but I, I, it would be it would be fun. I, I mean, don't know. I guess yeah, it, I would love to have kind of a grit like uh, a version. I oh, the image I come back to when I think about like what I want out of like a Spider-Man movie is the scene where Electro uses electricity powers to climb up a wall. In, in, in his premiere issue, and Jonah is like, oh, clearly it's Spider-Man. It's just in a different costume trying to fool us all. You know, and I love that kind of, like, really low stakes, like he's just robbing a bank kind of thing. And I right. hope that that's where they go. I don't want to see any dumb blue lights shooting into the sky. I want Spider-Man to be fighting, like, dudes in their pajamas. Yeah. That, like, locked into some kind of weird power. I mean... God, think about and you know this is like always one of those stories I come back to. I feel it's so underrated that Ramita Lee Mysterio arc where he like uh, tricks uh, tricks Spider Man into thinking that um, he's tiny. he's been mini- he's been miniaturized. <laughs> I mean, put like high school Spider Man in that scenario, and like those are like some really heavy stakes like crap i i like what i'm you know i'm supposed to go out with gwen and i can't because i you know i'm trapped in a giant amusement park <laughs> this know? is why they don't let us make the movies mark statements like this what? That's great. <laughs> Did you imagine the that's... trailer for that yeah. spider-man is stuck in a giant amusement park <laughs> Meanwhile, meanwhile, you know, you laugh and clearly the, the part of the movie that of Civil War that everyone's talking about the most involves this, this, this character who changes size. So, yeah, yeah, I, okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> anyway. Well, we got, we got a voicemail. Do you want to listen to the voicemail real quick? Sure. Hey, guys, it's Elliot again. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for the wonderful calendar. And I wanted to ask what your thoughts were on the new Amazing Spider-Man uh, Civil War four-issue mini uh, that was announced, because now the plot has been announced to be about a mole in Parker Industries. That's right. This is the third, at least the third time that there's going to be a four-issue mini. Uh, I'm almost excited about it, because it, it just kind of looks interesting and maybe a little different, but it's exactly the same, and it's a little bit frustrating. Uh, do you think they noticed the pattern, or I don't know, is it falling on deaf ears? Anyway, keep up the great work. Bye bye. Well, Elliot, thanks for uh, calling in. I like you was excited about this to a limited extent. I mean, all these event tie-ins, like I mean, I'm thinking back to some of the really lame ones, like uh, what was it, uh, Spider-Man Siege, where he fought Venom in Asgard. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah, or um, the uh, the inhumanity one shot. Yeah, yeah, or even the uh, Age of Ultron one shot during Superior. Right. Yeah. Well, that one wasn't terrible. No, I, 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 I thought kinda... that one was fun, but inconsequential. Yeah. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, I like Christos Gage's writing for the most part. I think he he tends to get it, and I really like his Superior Spider Man. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen some of the art for this thing. It looks pretty cool. There's, like, mecha goblin flying things and all kinds of craziness. And the the plot description implies that perhaps Harry Osborn may or may not be on Peter's side, and we talked about that a little bit earlier. But, yeah, this whole mole thing it does seem like another snooze. Like, how many times can we rinse this and repeat this plot? Would it, Mark, your thoughts? I mean, you know, it's just kind of funny that, you know, once again, the, the analogies to Iron Man with the new status quo and like what was always a constant, you know, antagonist for Iron, for Tony Stark was there's a mole at Stark Industries, you know, someone's trying to be, I mean, yeah, let's, let's move on folks. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with the storyline <laughs> without even having read it. And, and like, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't even describe myself as being, you know, anticipating it now not and now less so i mean i i I think i kind of pegged this as you know yeah i'll read it because we'll talk about it but (laughs) but but i i i i don't imagine that this is going to be anything i mean i'm actually shocked i didn't decide to make it a point one series but i guess i guess they have some standards well, I mean, based off of how good the point one series is right now, I'm not really sure what those standards are. 
Right. But right. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, we'll be reading it for sure. I'm not. I'm not expecting much out of it, but I'll be I'll be pre- pleasantly surprised if you know if we do get something out of it. It is it is weird to me that Dan Slott is running this Regent story through Civil War, um, but I guess this is kind of their way to do both: is to run Amazing normally and t- also tap into Civil War, um, especially considering that like uh, Amazing Spider-Man during the first Civil War really followed it quite closely. Uh, you know, for the most part. Yeah, we shall see. All right, Dan, do we want to uh, get our next auditioner in here? Yes, yes, let's do it. Okay, everybody, after getting our first tryout for the Flash Reviews host from Nathan Lebetsky and his squeaky wheelchair, I don't know what you, what you would call that, Dan. <laughs> Some have said he had a pet bat. <laughs> it was supposed yeah. to be his wheelchair, Mark, I swear. Uh, un- understood. Uh, well, we have invited another character from Spider-Man's past to audition to replace uh, our dearly departed Flash Thompson. Now, he didn't die, but he, he's found better things to do. Um, so without further ado, our next tryout, he flew all the way from Nazi Germany and boy, are all the miniature wings that he's made out of tired (laughs) swarm. Oh God. Thank you, Dan and Mark. Hello, everyone. It is your old friend swarm here to bring you all a brand new spider talk segment. The Bee Book Buzz with Swarm. Ah, yes, I see. Because of the bees, you make me make joke about buzzing. Nine! So, Swarm, uh, you're certainly not someone I was expecting to audition for this role. I mean, besides being a reanimated Nazi skeleton made entirely out of bees, you're also a great enemy of Spider-Man's. Why would you even be interested in this gig? Yes, 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 yes. It's probably hard to believe that a reanimated Nazi skeleton made entirely out of bees that obey my every command could possibly want anything more out of life. But hosting these flash reviews would help me achieve a lifelong goal. Total internet domination. With the power of this podcast, I will eventually be able to take over the entire world. Uh, Swarm, uh, t- uh, I don't know how I feel about this total world domination thing. I mean, I... I hope we don't disappoint you and you don't attack me with those thousands of giant bees uh, that are building a hive in Central Park right now. But uh, you're only auditioning for one segment on a show that runs every other week. Mark and I will still be hosting the show as usual, I hope you know. Hmm. Just a guest spot, I see. Well then, perhaps you can say I would love to be your Reich handman, yes? Oh, God. Uh, uh, okay, Swarm. Thanks for your, um, I guess we'll call it a pitch. Yes, thank you, Dan and Mark. And remember, vote for me or I will kill you all with these. He's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I kind of hope that Swarm doesn't win, but I get a feeling that he he's going to win. <laughs> We'll see, Dan. I mean, we got a few more of these people coming in. And I mean, Swarm is going to be hard to to touch. He's he's the cream of the honeycomb crop, I guess you could say. Are you going to say he's hard to beat? Oh, there you go. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Stop us uh, now. So um, for those of you who don't know the the rules, we got... uh, be all the B books, B B B books. Oh no! <laughs> uh, I, uh, I gonna... hate this already. <laughs> uh, we got minutes, to, uh, one minute to review each, uh, and then we will have to uh, say if it's either uh, good or bad with uh, a, pr- a proper, I guess, title. Um, 
Dan, let's start with Spider-Woman number six. Oh, Spider-Woman, be still my heart. All right, three, be two, still. one. Well, I guess I've been a little tough on this uh, Spider-Women arc through its first few installments as I felt it's been more like a forced silk story than an actual crossover. Uh, but here in this issue, watching Jessica Drew learn more about her alternative Earth doppelganger of sorts uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, Dennis Hopeless continues to write the character as one of the most charming and smart superheroes ever. And while I did miss Javier Rodriguez's art this time around, uh, the fill-in team did a pretty admirable job of visually visualizing this rather absurd scenario. Uh, also, Hopeless continues to show no fear with Jessica, putting her in so many heightened scenarios that challenge credulity, but also have a satisfying payoff. So uh, I like this, and thus I find this comic to be buzzworthy. Oh, yeah. You, you got to vote against this, people. I, <laughs> you can't let this happen. This, the level of these puns, I, I don't know that I'm going to stand by this. <laughs> Dan, what do you think of Spider-Woman number six? Why don't you kick me off in, or kick yourself off in three, two, one? You know, you can toss uh, Spider-Woman into a crossover arc and still her book will remain the best of the bunch. Hopeless just understands how to write interesting characters that sound natural and, and, and are fun to read and can handle situations in a way that I constantly find surprising. But this book suddenly turned into Kill Bill Volume 1, and that was only to its benefit. I laughed out loud during much of this comic, perhaps because of my familiarity uh, with the movie, but I was also invested in the stakes of this dangerous situation that the comic put Jess in. The back end of this issue does have some bizarre plot leaps involving Dr. Octopus. Um, but, you know, Mark, I have to say this, and I'm going to say this reluctantly. Uh, <laughs> it, this book was buzzworthy. Oh, that's great. You, you have been assimilated. <laughs> All right. So uh, next up, we have Carnage number seven, which you reviewed for our site. So uh, I, I feel like I know what you're going to say. <laughs> You're going to make me say it again. I'm going to make you say it again, Mark. Yes. Yeah. So uh, three, two, one. Right. Well, Dan, uh, despite the fact that I gave this a positive review on the website, I will admit I was a little disenchanted with the structure of the issue, which oh. was one of those. Oh, all right. Well, I did mention this in the review. All right. All right. Uh, it, was, it was one of those. Let's start at the end and then flash back two weeks to let everyone know how we got there. And uh, considering that the end of where the last issue left off, um, it's a tactic that sometimes can sap the book of its inherent drama, which I think is something that Carnage kind of thrives on because of its unpredictability. Uh, fortunately, the, the getting the band back together sequence here, I thought was incredibly well done and really funny. And shut up, Eddie Brock. Uh, the Carnage creative team continues to sell weird out there scenarios. So um, let's just keep that narrative going only forward in the future. And uh, I'm going to stick with Buzzworthy from now despite possibly leaning to the other end. Uh, all right, Dan, let's, let's hear your thoughts in three, two, one. Yeah, I agree with you, Mark, in just being immediately negatively affected whenever I see a plot structured like this. There was a point where, uh, this is going to be a rage, but uh, where every episode of How I Met Your Mother was a flashback inside a flashback inside a flashback. And I rage quit that show. Like, I just got so furious about that. And uh, so uh, there's that. But I'm also a bit disappointed that this book is moving away from the high seas into Jakarta. Um, I thought moving from an enclosed space for the first arc to an open space like, like the ocean was a really nice way to shake up the book. And, um, you know, while Conway's writing is still top-notch with plenty of those shut-up Brocks that we love – I'm a little unclear what the series gains from going to Jakarta, and I guess we're going to find out. But I kind of was hoping we would stick on the open seas. But uh, so yeah, so unfortunately, I'm calling this one nine, 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 nine. Nine. That's not nine out of ten. It's German for no. That, thank you, Mark. <laughs> thank you, Mark. I'm, I'm just putting on my dance slot hat here and explaining the joke to you. <laughs> yes, yes, good, good, good. That was very good recovery. Okay, um, Spidey number five. All right, I think, uh, let's just say it right now, Mark, I think this is our final issue of Spidey we're going to be covering. Well, I don't want to spoil my review, Dan, All so right. count so, me yeah, in. Three, two, one. 
Well, I think I hit my saturation point with the series. <laughs> As it seems like every, almost every issue, the creative team changes the direction again about what they're trying to achieve in all this. It's not an alternative world because you had a major opportunity to do something different with one of Spidey's chief rogues here in Green Goblin. And instead, the creators just borrowed from the Raimi-verse in terms of visuals and characterization. Beyond that, I, I just find myself caring less and less about Spidey. These aren't new stories, but they aren't elegant and artful recreation of old ones. So what is the point? This will be my last Spidey review for the immediate future, as I don't want to keep buying a book just for the sake of trashing it on our show. Sorry, true believers, but I'm going to say nine. Nine, 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 nine. All right, Dan. Now I need yours, and and you need to you need to say the word at the end, okay? <laughs> I will I will say the word at the end. Three, two, one. Mark, you said it all. I'm totally unclear what this comic is intending to be, but I do know one thing, and that's that it isn't for me. The change of artists lay the storytelling bare in this issue. I'm just not interested in reading redos of famous stories that crib from the movies in a less elegant way. Are we supposed to feel tension and mystery surrounding the introduction of Norman Osborn, despite knowing how that story ends? Oh, am I meant to be rereading just worse art on the same stories? Like, what is this? Suddenly the series wants to create its own chronology, but also not create its own chronology? I don't, I don't get it. My interest is completely gone. Yeah, and based on sales, I don't even know if us quitting it is going to, you know, be be like a long term gap for the show. Us not reviewing it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I love to hear what you readers think of this book, but I feel like most of you are probably, if you haven't already stopped reading it by now, you're probably on the same page as us about this issue. All right, Dan. So speaking of comic series that seem to kind of be flagging a bit, we have Spider-Man 2099, number 10. Yep. All right. Let's count you in in three, two, one. (laughs) So oddly enough, I have many complex emotions about this series and this specific issue. Early nearly two years of stories and stop starts, we finally seem to be getting back to the original premise of the series, which is how is Miguel going to fix the present day from either his past or the future? On one hand, yay. On the other, why is it taking so long to get to the point of the series? I mean, individually, issue 10 is filled with some awesome callbacks to the original 299 series, which bodes well for my future enjoyment of this book. But until I get a sense that this is clearly the direction again, and we're not going to get another tangent involving girlfriends and secret wars or anything to do with Peter Parker, uh, I, I can't give this book high praise yet. So I'm going to say nine. Go! Well, Mark, I'm glad we're finally getting somewhere with this story and hope that uh, Peter David manages to stick with this concept, like you said. The most interesting one he's come up, and this concept is the most interesting one that he's come up with during his new run on 2099, this idea of changing the future by affecting the past. However, this series sticks with me for only so long as I read it. The minute it's over, I forget what I've read, and I imagine it's because each issue is about something so wildly different that I have a hard time keep, keeping track of who is doing what and who is where and what the intent of this whole series is. So I'm curious about Peter David converging all of his plot lines here, but I also wonder if you know doing so is only because the book might be coming to a forced close. So for right now, I'm going to say nine. Nine, 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 nine. It's so placid. What? Placid nine. It was it, a placid nine. It was a nine of of of, of resolution and I, and. That's a nine that I would only rate a two on the on the on the passion scale. All right, that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. All right. Well, you know what? I am passionate about taking this Get, thing home. <laughs> I am passionate about getting the hell out of here. Yeah. See you later, Mark. Uh, for all you listeners who don't want to see us. Well, do want to see us later, but don't want to let us go. You can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, like we said earlier, please be sure to leave us a review and we'll read it on the air. 
Yeah, be sure to check out our Facebook pages and subscribe to our sister podcast, The Ultimate Spin. And most of all, leave us voicemail at 9RedGoblin. And also be sure to join our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club so you can hear Mark and I discuss all of our members-only podcasts. We're going to have a new one next week, which we'll be announcing with our next show. Cool, cool. And then next week we'll also be debuting two awesome new episodes, one featuring an interview with John Semper Jr., the producer of Spider-Man the Animated Series, and Christopher Daniel Barnes, the voice of Spider-Man from that series. Then later in the week, Dan and I will be discussing our thoughts on Captain America Civil War. It's the busiest week in history, Dan. Yeah, two podcasts in one week and two two rather uh, anticipated ones, I think. I think so. I'm excited to talk to uh, Christopher Daniel Barnes. It'll be it'll be like talking to Peter Parker. There you go. <laughs> that's gonna be kind of weird. Maybe maybe that's what I should do. I should just prepare questions for the interview as if I think he's actually Peter Parker. Let's see how that goes. Yeah, I, I think it'll, not I think very it'll, well. I think it'll be like Chris Farley uh, interviewing Paul McCartney. <laughs> Remember right. that time you were with Aunt May and she made you wee cakes? <laughs> I was awesome. <laughs> All right, Mark, where can we find you on the Internet uh, this week? Well, you know, not that I write for you anymore, but you can find my writing when it's there at superiorspidertalk.com. Or, of course, you can find me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog. And, Dan, what about yourself? Mark, I'm beginning to think you don't like me anymore. Oh, it's not you. It's me. (laughs) Yeah, of course, you can find me on Twitter at at SupSpiderTalk. And, uh, again, like Mark said, all of my writing on superiorspidertalk.com, where I fill in for Mark every week, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and nobody seems to notice. Yeah, that's okay. I'll be back soon. I promise. Hey, Mark. <laughs> Maybe next week. Yeah. Hey, Mark. You remember that time where uh, you and I went ghost hunting, and uh, we came upon an actual ghost? You know, it was like that that ghost hunters TV show, except a whole lot less douchey. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were only able to defeat that ghost by teaming up and boy, man, those were the days teaming up to take down ghosts like Ghostbusters, man. Yeah. Ghost busted. Right. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it was, it, what was so great about that was, you know, if, if memory serves, we kind of started out and we were kind of bickering a little bit because, you know, I was trying to, to plan ahead and to take out the ghost, um, by following the sage old advice of my uncle Ben. And, you know, I started talking about, you know, the, the whole power and responsibility thing, you know, I mean, uncle Ben was, was a great guy and, and something tragically happened to him. And thus I felt responsible for it. And you were just kind of like, Hey man, no, I'm a billionaire industrialist. I don't need to listen to no uncle Ben's story. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to talk to Jarvis here. That and does ben, sound like, like me from back in the day. Yeah. And, and like, you know, it was weird because like at one point Jarvis uh, was like an actual butler of yours. And then he was just kind of like this computerized voice in your head. And then he became like this android that was following you around. It was very, or at least the voice of Jarvis was. It was just very strange. Jarvis and uh, I have a very complicated relationship. I would ask that you butt out of it. Yeah. Well, but but the thing was, uh, while we were defeating the ghost, the ghost of my Uncle Ben showed up. And kicked Jarvis to the curb and said, remember, folks, a great podcast must also come. Amazing Spider Talk. Don't, don't miss the next